0: Good evening. It's good to be together. Always a blessing to meet together. Tonight we'll be in Colossians, continuing our study. We'll be in Colossians chapter 7, but I'd like to do a quick overview and just hit some of the, the main things that we looked at in each verse. The first verse, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother... And we highlighted there, by the will of God. By the will of God. If we're ever saved, it's by the will of God. It's by the will of God. And Paul was an apostle by the will of God. And then verse 2 said, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossus, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the key word we looked there at, the key words were, in Christ. In Christ. Every believer is in Christ and in him alone. The third verse was we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And we looked at giving thanks and praying for God's people, for his saints. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, we looked at faith and love and hope is in the next where. There's three pillars of the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love. Three pillars of what we believe. So the next verse had, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? And we have a hope. Oh, what a hope we have. And our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in our Redeemer. And He is in heaven. And we will be there in a short time when you think of our lifespan. A very short time. And the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. The gospel is true. Our God is true. He is truth. Christ is called the truth. And then we looked at verse 6. Which is come unto you. The gospel comes to us. And that's a magnificent thing. Because we would never come to God. We would never come to Christ. But the gospel comes to us. Christ comes to us as it is in all the world and it goes forth into the world and bringeth forth fruit. And we looked at the gospel bearing fruit. And the gospel day for every believer is when the gospel bears fruit in our life. And then knew the grace of God and truth, the gospel must be revealed to us. And the believer knows the truth. He knows Christ. He knows the one he never knew before. And then verse 7, we'll start there tonight. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, for you, a faithful minister in Christ. A faithful minister in Christ. Now, Epaphras has come to Paul, and he's concerned about heresies that are, that are coming up in, within the, the church at Colossus. And he's concerned about them. He comes to Paul and to talk to them, and Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to the Christian believers at Colossus. Now, these heresies have entered in, and uh, all heresies basically can be boiled down to Christ plus something. Christ plus something you do. That's basically, you can, you can boil them all down to that. They, they say, well, you're saved by Christ, but. Well, we don't believe that. We believe we're saved by Christ, period. There's nothing added to that. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we have no other hope. And we have no other refuge but our Lord Jesus Christ. So think of this though as we were looking at those verses. Paul is laying the groundwork for exposing the error which has creeped into the church at Coloss. He's laying the groundwork. He's focusing them upon Christ. He's getting their eyes set upon him. And he's laying the groundwork. He's contrasting what the truth is in the preceding verses. And will expose the error, as we go through this book, he will expose the error based upon already setting what the truth is. And that they knew the truth. That they knew the truth. So here, expose the error against the truth. And in the verse preceding, this one, he has explained that love for the brethren and the truth of the gospel and the hope of eternal life and salvation is only in Christ. In the preceding verses, he, he told us that. That, that is only found in Christ, in him alone. It's not Christ. See, what he's doing is setting it up that it's not Christ plus your works. Or Christ plus anything. He's saying, no, it's Christ alone. It's him alone. And if you notice in all the epistles that he writes, he, he almost does this in all of them. It's incredible. Especially in, in Corinthians. He sets that up, that whole first chapter. He's, he, he sets the truth and refocuses their minds upon Christ before he, before he writes a correction to them. So all he has done is point them to what they've learned from Epaphras. And he is a faithful gospel preacher. He's a faithful gospel preacher. He's explained to them what normal Christian life is. We love the brethren. We love the brethren. We pray for the brethren. We gather together to hear the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed. But they were being taught by false teachers that you need something more than Christ, that you need something more than him. But Paul refocuses them on the fact that everything that a sinner needs is in Christ. Everything that these believers need is in Christ and him alone. It's all found in Him. Christ is all I need. All, all I need. He was crucified for me. He died on Calvary. that He loved me so. This is why I know Christ is all I need. A little song I found, a little hymn that sums it all up. He's all we need, isn't He? All that a sinner needs is found in Christ. Notice in our text here, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Now notice, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. The Apostle Paul, and he calls him a fellow servant. He calls him a fellow servant. Not just a a dear fellow servant. A dear fellow servant. What condescension? What condescension. And they, ser- they serve the same master. They're engaged in the same work. So Paul's telling the Colossians that this dear servant, Epaphras, preaches the same gospel I preach, serves the same master that I preach. They're fellow laborers in the work. They're fellow laborers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, though he was an apostle, And the other, an ordinary minister, an ordinary pastor. Epaphras was very dear to Paul. And notice something, too. Paul doesn't lord over him, does he? He calls him a fellow servant, a dear, dear fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ. He doesn't lord over him, he doesn't tell him what he should preach. As they preach the same gospel. He doesn't, he doesn't tell him what he should do. Or, or who his friend should be. He doesn't do that. He counts him as a fellow. A fellow servant. A fellow minister of the gospel. Now pastor. Pastor Epaphras. Because that's what he would be called. Pastor Epaphras. Is a sinner saved by grace. He's a sinner saved by grace. And he's telling other sinners about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's telling other sinners about the only one who can save sinners. He's preaching the same message that we preach today. That the gospel of God's free grace in Christ. Salvation's only in him. And he's a faithful minister, beloved. He tells it like it is. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold... He tells it like it is. He doesn't change his message based upon his hearers, whether they be wealthy or poor. His message is the same for all, because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Almost no one speaks the truth anymore because they're afraid they might offend someone. That's the the bottom line where... They're afraid. They're afraid they might offend someone, and no one wants to offend someone. Well, I'm sorry. The gospel offends. We know because before we were saved, it offended us, didn't it? <laughs> oh, but now we love the gospel. We love the gospel. Pastors is not like false teachers who tickles people's ears and 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 just want to get gain from them, like Joel, Steen and the guys out there, the Word of Faith guys, that's all they're doing, just tickling people, thousands of people's ears, just tickling their ears. Won't even mention sin, oh no, 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 we won't do that. Just tickling people's ears, making people twofold the child of hell. Oh, it's, no, Epaphras isn't like that. He's not like the false teachers who will hold something back because they don't want to offend someone who might leave. Because, well, maybe they'll lose some money. No. He preaches the free and sovereign grace of God in Christ. And God does the saving. And we know. We know from what the scripture says. We know that it bore fruit, didn't it? It bore fruit. It bore fruit. Look at Colossians chapter 1. We give thanks to God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in the world and bringeth forth fruit. Oh, it bought fruit, didn't it? The Lord saved them. The Lord saved them. So he doesn't hold back. Oh, and God's preachers know that God will take care of them. and God's church knows that God will take care of them. He always takes care of his sheep. I can't tell you how many grace preachers I talk to. And, and they just keep saying. God always takes care of his sheep. And he always does. He always does. Oh so they don't hold back. Grace preachers in the paphras. He wouldn't hold back anything. This is a quote. We preachers are dying men. Preaching to dying men. Dying man preaching to dying men. In one day, every one of us in this room will step into eternity. One day. Every one. Oh, I pray the Lord will save you and you'd step into eternity and be with him. Oh, every day, every one of us has got an appointment. And we won't miss that appointment. Appointment. Where preachers are dying men, preaching to dying men, flee to Christ. He's the only hope. And Epaphras preaches the free grace of God in Christ. Plus nothing. And the same is what we believe God does the saving. God does the saving. He saves whomever he pleases. And it's so with faithful gospel preachers today all over the world. Who preached this message. That salvation's in Christ. And him alone. Oh. We just preach the gospel. And let God do his work. We pray it will be fruitful. We pray here save souls. But he must do it. He must do it. So the fundamental issue here. Is truth. Which goes against false teaching. Which goes against false teaching. Look at. Verse 5: For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? So, Paul's setting the truth of the gospel. He's setting this groundwork to show them the error, the error of what these worksmongers are trying to get them to do: take them away from their hope in Christ. Look at verse 7, as you also learned of a dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. These false teachers, they're preaching lies, they're just spewing out lies. They're adding works to grace. But God's preachers and saints, we proclaim salvation as of the Lord, period. Nothing added. Nothing added. Salvation is of the Lord. So the opposite of grace is works. They, they're, they're in war with each other. They're contrast each other. Because it's either pure grace or it's works. And in Epaphras, he is a faithful minister of Christ. He preaches salvation in Christ and in him alone. And grace and works do not mix. They are like oil and water. They do not mix. Not at all. You add one little drop of works and you poison the well. You poison the well of grace. And God's preachers, remember this too, that God's preachers are sinners who are saved by the same sovereign grace of God in Christ, is all the elect. We're all. Those of us who are saved, we're all just saved sinners. Turn if you would to Ephesians chapter four. Every believer has been every single believer has been delivered out of the same pit. The pit of sin. We were in a pit and we couldn't get out. But God saved us. And God's preachers are just saved sinners. But they receive a call to preach and proclaim the gospel. Look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of, a, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Oh, before we were saved, we are just all like the, just going in the wind. I knew doctrine, but I was all over the board. Oh, tossed to and fro by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in, de- in wait to deceive. And also, sitting under the gospel and the truth of the gospel will, will give you discernment to know when a man's lying to you. Or whether he's preaching the truth. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. He's the head, we're the body from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. God's preachers are, we're just saved sinners, just like everyone else. But some of us are called. Some, God's God's preachers are called the pastor. But we're all just saved sinners. We're all the one body. All believers are the one body. So he calls some to preach and he equips those he calls. He equips them. He equips them to be a preacher. He equips them to be a teacher. He, or he equips them to be an evangelist. He has to make, he has to teach. And preachers, we grow and learn just like everyone else. And God must make the preacher. He must teach him. And, and have him grow in grace. In the knowledge of the truth. And the, what are some things? Look here it says. It says and also learned of Epaphras. Our dear fellow servant. Who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. What do faithful ministers of Christ preach? What, what do we teach? What do we tell the truth about? Well. A faithful gospel preacher will proclaim the truth about salvation from all our sins in Christ. None left behind. None left behind. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.14. Look in the same chapter that we're in, in Colossians. In whom, being Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Paul's preaching the same message as Epaphras. The same message we have. That salvation is in Christ in Him alone. In whom we have. The believer has. This is something the believer has. Redemption. My sins are all paid for. Through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Oh, it's not a maybe. It's, it's, God, it's not, well, I hope I get to heaven and He doesn't toss me out like I heard. Like, oh. No. Those He saves, He keeps. He loves His people with an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. The gospel preacher proclaims the the truth about God too. that That he's a holy God. And a righteous God. And that he dwells in eternity. It proclaims that this holy and eternal God has no beginning or end. The gospel preacher proclaims this. that the holy eternal god has no beginning and no end the gospel proclaims this too turn to 1st 1 timothy 117 oh our god our savior is a king he's a king First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.17, Now unto the king eternal. Oh, he's eternal. He's eternal. He always has been. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What more do you say? Amen. So the gospel and the gospel proclamation, we tell the truth about God. And Epaphras was a faithful minister. A faithful preacher? Ezekiel 18.20 says this, The soul that sinneth it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. This speaks of the righteousness of Christ imputed to sinners. And that's found in Ezekiel 18.20. That's another thing we proclaim. That we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And the gospel gospel proclaims the truth about sinners. That there's none of us who are righteous. None of us. Proclaims that we're in a desperate state with no hope. Turn if you would to Romans chapter 5. It proclaims that we're in a state where we cannot help ourselves. And we don't have any ability to help ourselves. We have no ability to save ourselves and we won't even seek God on our own. Romans chapter 5 says this, verse 12. It proclaims the truth of the fall and how that when we, when we fell in Adam, oh, we fell. When Adam fell, we fell with him. He is our federal head. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world? And that was Adam. And death by sin. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. So the gospel proclaims the truth about sin. And about what we are. And so death passed upon all men for that all of sin. Look at verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed, where when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, we come into this world, we know in Ephesians 2, it says we come into this world dead in trespasses and sin, right? We're children of Adam. We're children of Adam. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one... Oh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself there. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, we fell in Adam much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. It doesn't say all, but many. Many. A number that no man can number. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. Dead in trespasses and sins. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by one offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, Christ, Christ, verse 18, The free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. There it is. There it is. We fell in Adam. Every one of us fell in Adam. The gospel proclaims the truth about how we're sinners. Look at this, though. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. Oh, we're made righteous in Christ. Oh. And the gospel proclaims also the truth about Christ and how he lived the perfect life for his elect. Turn, if you would, to John 14, and then put your finger in Daniel. I found something interesting this week. Daniel chapter 9. John 14. The gospel claims the truth about how Christ lived the perfect life, right? He lived perfect. He was sinless, wasn't he? He lived this life for his elect. And he died in the place of sinners as their substitute on Calvary's cross before God's holy law and justice. His holy law and his perfect justice. And that perfect justice must be upheld, right? It must be. The soul that sinneth, it must die. Look at John fourteen thirty, And then keep your finger, as I said, in Daniel chapter 9. Look at this. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. This is our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He's sinless, beloved. There's no sin in him at all. He's perfect in mind. No no sin in mind. No sin in deeds. Nothing. He's perfect. He's the God man. He's Perfect. He's sinless. There's no cause for condemnation in Christ. None. There are lots of us, right? <laughs> lots and me. Oh. But he was perfect and sinless. So the prince of this world, Satan, came and has nothing in him. Nothing. Hath nothing in me. So he has no sin. But the sins of his people were imputed to him, right? They were laid upon him. Turn with me, if you would, to Daniel nine. We're going to see something that I hadn't seen this till this week, and this is just—I I, I was just marveling at this and how how plain it is. He had no inherent sin like we do, right? We saw in Romans that we we're, were born sinners because of the fallen Adam. But he had no inherent sin like we do. Look at Daniel 9, 26. But we're going to read from 24 to 26. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. This is speaking of Calvary. Christ made an end of sins. The sins of all his people. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in Everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now remember in John 14 it said there was nothing in him, right? Nothing in him. Look at and we know that that our sins were laid upon him by imputation. Look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. And we can underline this, but not for himself. He's sinless. He's perfect. Our sins were imputed to him. But not for himself. They were ours. They were the sins of all, all the elect of all the ages, and the people of the prince sh- that shall come shall destroy the city and sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the wars, war desolations are determined. But look at that, not for himself. He's perfect. He died the sinless one for sinners on Calvary's tree. Oh, he is the perfect, spotless the Lamb of God. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God. The gospel also proclaims the truth about how the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah 53 and put your fingers in Romans 4. we see it prophesied in the, in the Old Testament and come alive in the New Isaiah 53, and you know you keep hearing us gospel preachers hit this nail, that God is absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. He's perfectly satisfied. And Christ was raised for our justification to prove that he was satisfied. Look at Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be Satisfied. God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ in the place of his people. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Justified before God. Before a holy and righteous God. The sinner is justified. For he shall bear their iniquities. Oh, the sinless one. Oh, the sinless one bore my sins at Calvary's tree, and He paid it all, but not for Himself, but for every believer, right? for every one of His elect. Look at Romans four twenty-four. So it's prophesied in the Old Testament, and look at Romans chapter four, verses twenty-four and twenty-five. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. God is satisfied. God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ in the room instead of his people, in the room and place of his people. Oh, he's satisfied with the sacrifice of our mighty Savior for our sins. So Epaphras, he he preached and proclaimed these precious truths. He preached and proclaimed these precious truths. The gospel also proclaims that all who believe on Christ have all their sins forgiven. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 2. All their sins are forgiven. And the gospel proclaims this precious truth. It's precious. And Epaphras proclaimed the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And these are precious truths that are in the gospel. Acts chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 2. But these things, Acts chapter 3 verse 18 and 19. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. So Christ was prophesied all through the Old Testament. He's coming. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. How many sins are forgiven? All of them, amen. All of them. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Oh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And you, believers, being dead in your sins, that was our natural state, wasn't it? Dead in trespasses and sins. In the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together. Born again. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Heaven forgiven you. He said it brother. All. All trespasses. There's not one left behind. All of them. Every single one of them. Look at verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Nailing it to his cross. What a mighty Savior. What a mighty Savior. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're all familiar with this passage, but I want to read it in context and even pull some of the verses from chapter 6 as well. So, the gospel proclaims that all our sins are forgiven in Christ. And it proclaims that the believer is now clothed in the perfect righteousness. And this is the same truth, beloved, that, that our fellow servant Epaphras preached to the saints at Claus. This message has never changed. It's, it's a precious, precious message. The gospel proclaims that believers are now clothed in a perfect, a perfect righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. Remember, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Nothing. That's the righteousness given to us. That's why God will look at us and we're Blameless. Great transfer. Our sins imputed to him and his righteousness imputed to us. Oh, the righteousness of Christ. Look at verse 20 of chapter 5. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did besiege you by us. We pray you're in Christ's be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who know no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. His perfect right. Our sins imputed to him and his perfect righteousness imputed to us. Oh, it's marvelous. Look at, verse, look at the first two verses though in chapter 6, which go right in with that. We then as workers together with him beseech you. We beseech you. Also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now you might not have tomorrow. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. So the same message that Epaphras preached, we preach today. He was a faithful minister of the gospel. He proclaimed that that saving grace is keeping grace. Saving grace is keeping grace. And it's all, all in Christ. Our hope is in Christ, right? Verse 5, right before our text, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Oh, we have a hope one day we'll see Christ. And heaven will be heaven because Christ is there. Because he's there. I know my Redeemer lives. I know he does. I know he does. And I will see him one day. And every believer says, we're going to see him face to face. I know my Redeemer lives. I have a hope laid up for me in heaven, in Christ. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Epaphras was, was faithful to preach the truth of the gospel and did not hold anything back. The message we preach is not popular in this world, and it never will be. But God's sheep will be given ears to hear and will love the message of the gospel of God's free grace in Christ. And we will give him all the glory. Christ is our all in all, isn't he? Turn a couple chapters over to Colossians chapter 3. Christ is everything to us. Everything to believers. My hope is not in myself. My hope's in Christ. My redemption's not in anything I can do. My redemption's in Christ. I can't make myself more holy. I'm holy in Christ. He's my wisdom and my redemption. He's everything. Look at verse 11 of chapter 3 where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. This is in the body of Christ, beloved. But Christ is all, He's everything my hope of eternal life, everything is in Christ. It's all in Him. But Christ is all in in all. Oh, we proclaim a hope that we have not in ourselves, but in Christ. He's forgiven us all our trespasses and sins. All of them. He's made us fit for heaven, beloved. We could never make ourselves fit for heaven. How can a man be justified before a holy God? Only in Christ. Oh, and in one day, one day we'll be with him. Turn, if you would, to Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. We will be with him. Oh, and we'll be in his presence. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Salvation in Christ is a complete salvation. It's a complete salvation. Look at Revelation 19, verses 7 to 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready the bride of Christ, beloved. The elect of God clothed in Christ and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is what? The righteousness of saints pure, spotless. Oh, it's marvelous. Sinners made pure and spotless, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they, blessed are they, which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are they. And yes, and he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Oh. Oh. If you don't know Christ. May may he draw you. May he show you your need for him. Because all we are who are saved. Are sinners. Who are clothed now in the righteousness of Christ. And as I said this. This salvation that we have in Christ is for sinners is for sinners. And think of this. We have, as I said, all our sins forgiven. There's none left behind. Nothing that nothing nothing falls through the cracks. And oh, sinner friend, to have a hope for heaven, eh? Like we have. Oh, that God would grant you faith to believe. Oh, that he'd grant your faith to believe. And that you'd run and trust in Christ. Our hope is in him, isn't it? It's nowhere else. And we say praise his mighty name. And we give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. I'll see you when it's time.